I uh, want you to take your Bible and return into the book of, um, now what's a good book? Judges. To the book of Judges. And Judges chapter 4. Judges chapter 4. I uh, was over at the uh, mall, you know, we had just finished our radio broadcast Friday. And so on Friday after the radio broadcast, I always take my little darling out for a, a breakfast. And so we was over there West Shore. And uh, anyway, we walked up there and uh, there was this little girl behind that little counter, a little booth. And I walked past and I, wait, 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 wait. So I got ready to give her a track. She said, oh, you gave me one of those last time you came by. I says, well, did you read it? Not yet. I says, wait a minute. I says, you probably never will read it. I can give you this one, and you will probably never read it. She says, I will too. I said, you probably won't read it. She says, yes, I will. I said, no, you won't. She said, yes, I will. She says, I'll read it right now. So I gave it to her, and we went and got something to eat. Well, on the way out, I forgot all about the girl. As I walked toward her, I wasn't paying attention about her, but she saw me. And so me and Betty's walking down. And so she has her track in her hand and a piece of paper, and she had it together. And she says, hey, hey, hey. She was waving at me. So I walked over to her, and she gave it to me, and she said on there, I served the Lord, and I try to do as good as I can, and here's the track you gave me. So I opened it up, and she didn't made a whole bunch of checks on it. Now, you know if they make a whole bunch of checks on it, something's wrong. I said, you, um, you failed. And have you ever saw a deer in the headlights? It was like her eyes got big, and she, huh? I said, you failed. What? And I says, I says you, you marked the wrong ones. Really? So? I says, you really don't know where you're going when you die, do you? She says, not now. <laughs> I says, uh, and I just looked at her, and there's a few people walking by. You know, this is out there in the public area, so I don't raise my voice so that everybody hears and embarrass a person. So I kind of lean forward, and she's behind this little counter. And I says, look, isn't it true? Now, you've heard all your life that Christ paid for all the sins of the world. She said, yeah, yeah. I said, now, if he did, now think about it. I says, if he did. Why should you and I have to go to hell and pay for our sins if he already paid for them? And then once again, she had that deer in the headlight look. <laughs> and uh, she was a little black girl. And just as cute as a button, though. And she would just, and then she'd smile. And then she'd go. And so I said, let me explain it to you. So what I got to explain it, I said, so see, the Bible says that he loved you so much he would rather die than live without you. So he paid for all of your sins. I said, you know why he did that? So that you wouldn't have to. That means if he paid for my sins, I don't have to pay for them if I believe he did it for me. So that means I don't have any sins to pay for. So that's why I can't go to hell. And she says, I see what you're saying. She said, nobody's ever told me that before. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? She said, yeah. I said, right now, will you trust Christ as your Savior? She said, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, now I'll probably never see you again. She said, yes, you will, yes, you will. So I hope I can see her again. If not, I'll see her up there. But she even told me, she says, I might even come to church this Sunday. And then she says, I can't come. They make me work every Sunday from 11 till 6 o'clock. That's the both hours that she would miss. So anyway, I'm glad the person doesn't have to go to church to go to heaven. 
What about all the people who can't go to church? And what about people who can't get baptized? What if they're crippled? What if they're someplace else and there's no water? I'm so glad there's a lot of things. God just says, if you'll just believe it. But can God use women? Can God use women? You think so? God even used a woman to bring the Messiah to the world. So you can't say God can't use a woman. And God can and God has. You know, the Bible says that Eve was the mother of all living. Because, you know, without her, there wouldn't have been, uh, you know, any kids. So uh, God, in the beginning, made a male and female and says they become one. And lo and behold, la, la, la. And here we are with a whole bunch of kids. And uh, evidently somebody figured it out because look how many people there are today. There is a whole bunch of people all over the world. And um, some people are saying we need to have population control. So they're trying to figure out ways how to eliminate some of the population. And some of it is it's when we're getting old, you know, we, we're just taking up space. We're no good anymore, so uh, there's going to be a movement on to uh, euthanize us uh, older folks. And some of these nuts that are trying to get some of that stuff passed, it's going to be them <laughs> they're going to do it to. But maybe they can't figure that out. But I am so glad that I have eternal life and I know I'm going to heaven when I die and we can serve the Lord. But when it comes to serving the Lord, God will use anyone who has faith, if you believe. I uh, had this person who emailed me this letter and uh, this is what he said. Howdy, Pastor. Howdy. I want to say thank you for the notes you sent me last week. I was able to follow along with you as you preached your message. I can also read it now at a later date to refresh my mind. I watched your service that you did on Sunday morning because I had missed that service. So I decided to watch it tonight. I did catch Sunday school and Sunday night services. Both services were fantastic. I am a handicapped person, slow of speech and hard of hearing. Because I enjoy all the messages that you have done, I also have been watching some of the videos you have done in the past. I watch one video each day. Wouldn't it be neat if all my church members would do that? I mean, here's somebody that I don't even know, and they listen to one of my videos every day. That ought to be a requirement for everybody before they go to bed at night. They turn on and listen to one of my one-hour sermons. Wouldn't that help you to go to sleep? In about ten minutes, you'd be all asleep. Okay, we'll forget that. He says, of all the things I love to do, studying God's word highlights everything I do in life, and it makes me very happy. Now, here's a person that's handicapped, can't do anything. And he says a few other things in here, but I thought that was, you know, so neat to somebody. And I don't even know where he's at. I don't know where he's from. We had a, um, a person trust the Lord this week from, um, from Sweden, believe it or not. And they were listening to the sermon that uh, Jesse titled, uh, the joy, something about joy. I don't forget what it was on. But uh, sometimes he'll make up a title and try to put it up there so somebody might listen to it. So you never know. But here in the book of Judges, we're talking about a woman. Can God use a woman? Well, I believe God would prefer to use a man for doing manly things. But God said that he couldn't, evidently, he couldn't find a man, so he used a woman. So this is a woman that became one of the, a judge. And uh, you know, up to this point, uh, God used Moses to bring the children of Israel up to the Jordan River, and he wasn't allowed to go in to the Promised Land. So God used Joshua to take the people into the Promised Land. So when they went into the Promised Land, 
uh, they were supposed to conquer all the people that were in here, the enemies, and spare none. They're supposed to get them all out of there. Because God says you'll become unequally yoked. Those people who keep their gods will influence you. So God discriminates. He believes that he's the only one that needs to be worshipped, and all the rest of them are phonies. And so he commanded them to take care of them and get them all out of there. But they left little pockets of unbelievers throughout the land. Whenever you do that, they multiply. And those little problems down the road become what? Big problems. So they had some big problems down the road. So after Joshua and his generation passed away, well, then there became another generation that they didn't see all those things that God had done. Uh, they didn't see those walls coming down and miraculously the Jordan River even opening up. They didn't get to see all of that. So there arose a generation afterwards that never saw any of that. And so instead of getting stronger in the Lord, they got weaker. And so the next generation, the second generation, they went downhill. It's just like, for example, here you are. If you are gung-ho for the Lord, and you fought a lot of battles and served on the Lord and trying to get strong in the Lord, and then when you have kids, so chances are your kids are not going to be as strong as you are. Now, and so there's a few cases where they, yes, they will. But majority of the kids who didn't have to fight and defend their faith because you made it easy on them, and you want them to believe what you believe, and so you took them to church, you took because you want them to know what you know and believe what you believe. And see, if you're a Catholic, the Catholic get their kids to do that. If you're a Baptist, you get their kids to do that. If you're a foot-washing Aborigine, you've got to get your kids to do that. So whatever the religion you are, I don't care if it's Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, everybody tries to get their kids to believe what they believe. It's just the way it goes. But you and I know that everybody can't be right. But everybody tries to teach their kids, you know, to follow my example. Well, when you have it, they don't take it as seriously. So whatever the parents do in moderation, the kids will sometimes do that's wrong in excess. But it's just the opposite when it's spiritual. Wherever you are spiritually, chances are your kids are going to take and be a little less. They won't take as serious what you believe. And that will sometimes break your heart. Or if they decide to go wild, and kids can go wild, then they take and go further than you would, you would go. So trying to have, you know, success with your families is sometimes the most difficult thing in the world. How do you handle all the problems? Well, you know, the dad sometimes is the one who has to go out and make a living, and sometimes the now in our day and time, women do too. But sometimes it's the, the woman who lays down the law for the kids and try to make sure that they obey and do these things. But a lot of things change in over the years. Now we've got in America, we have little pockets of uh, all those people who no longer, you know, believe in Christianity. Well, we were founded as a Christian nation up on the Bible, and kids went to school, even public school, and the Bible was taught in the public school. And you even stood and did the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. All those wonderful things that we used to do, and uh, you got a fairly good education because you learned how to read and write and so on. Well, today, all kids are coming out of schools, and they can't read and they can't write. They can't think, they can't relate, they can't record, they can't research, they can't put it down. And so... When you can't think clearly and understand some things, it's a dumbing down process. Because the more of the congregation, I should not congregation, but the uh, uh, citizens of the country, if you dumb them down enough, you can control them. It's hard to control 
thinking people that can reason and know truth and they can stand up for their freedoms and so forth. But we have people today fighting for their rights as though some of the things they're fighting for is right. And it's not right. It's wrong. They're fighting for the homosexual rights. There are no homosexual rights. There are no rights for homosexuals. Because if it's right, then it wouldn't be wrong. But if God says it's wrong, then it can't be right. So how can you fight for a right you don't have? And regardless of the world situation and regardless of who makes it lawful or legal, it still doesn't make it right. Whatever God says is wrong is what? It's wrong. And all the majority of the people, if everybody in America voted that the Bible is no good, it's still good. It's still perfect. It's still God's Word. And so we have pockets now that have grown. And because they have multiplied and grown, they're taking over our country. And uh, I'm going to say a little bit about that in church service this morning. So um, you just fashion your seatbelts and hang on for dear life. So I um, thought I'd tell you, but no, nobody can leave the parking lot. The gate out there will be up, and so nobody can leave. But anyway, here's a, a, a story about a woman that God was able to use. So now God was using judges because Joshua has died, and he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so he passed off the scene, and other ones come on the scene, and they're not as spiritually minded. So they begin to do what is right in their own eyes. This is what religions are. Most religions are just doing what is right in their own eyes. They make up their own religion. They write it the way they want. Whatever you want to believe, write it down. Say, this is uh, my religion. And find a verse in the Bible that try to prove that point. And so therefore, there you go. So he says that he was going to deliver them because now... You know, after a while, they're supposed to worship the one true God. Well, that's good until you become friends with those pockets of enemies in the land. And next thing you know, you're friendly and talking and getting along and sharing. And next thing you know, I don't think that. They're not that bad. And they're gods. They're gods. They're God. They can't see and they can't hear. They can't talk. They can't walk. They can't do anything. And they got all these idols. And their God isn't God. Because there's only one true and living God. And that's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, their God's a false God. But they worship those false gods. So next thing you know, you're more tolerant. You're tolerant. So after you become tolerant, this is what the people want us to say. They want us to be tolerant of everybody's beliefs. And we can't discriminate against anybody. I mean, you know, if you believe abortion is all right, and if you believe that homosexual, that's all right. They're trying to force their beliefs on us, and we need to be tolerant while they are intolerant of us. They can't stand what we believe because we are an offense to them. So therefore, they want to use the law who discriminate against us and say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Well, we used to have freedom, and we could, but now you can't do that. You can't do this, or we'll punish you. We'll take this from you, and we'll take this from you. And so that's where we are. Now, the children of Israel had become kind of like friends, but in doing so, they begin to worship other gods, and when they begin to worship other gods, God is going to have to chasten them. So God then causes them to rise up against Israel and rule over Israel. So God will let them go into years of servitude. 
And so this is what happened. If you look there in verse 1 of chapter 4, in verse 1, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. Now he had killed a guy named Eglon, but that's a double story. That was right before this. And the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, and captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harasheth of the Gentiles, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron. Now just think, nine hundred chariots of iron. So they had a fierce army, and they ruled over Israel. Look what he says. Twenty years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. Now see, it didn't have to be that way. Well, why did it happen? Because the children, as he says there, again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So you see, once you trust Christ as your Savior, even for you and I, when you trust Christ as Savior, you become a child of God. Now, look up here. Just so you understand, it's so clear. You now are free to choose. I trusted Christ 55 years ago. All right, I'm a child of God. But now, I am free to choose. I can make good decisions and bad decisions. Now, my eternal destination is fixed. That's a, that's a separate issue. Now, as a child of God, if I make good decisions, God will bless my life here, reward me there, and I'll have peace, joy, and happiness to what God promised. But if I make bad decisions, is it possible for me to make bad decisions? Yet. All God's children, you've got a choice. And every day we live, we're making choices, decisions. If I make a bad decision, then God's going to have to chasten and discipline me. But he can't cast me out. I'm still his child. Uh, me and Betty had three children the hard way, one wife. But those three kids, when they're obedient, they're mine. When they're disobedient, they're hers. <laughs> no, they're still my, our kids. So whether they're obedient or disobedient is not the issue. They are our children, but we want them to learn how to make good decisions. And we watched them over the years, and some of them have made some good decisions. And some of them made some bad decisions. And over the years, so have we. But you see, God says you're his child, but he's going to have to chasten and discipline you. Maybe even take you home before your time. So when he tells Israel this, Israel were like, in a sense, God's people. He made a promise to them, an unconditional promise, I am going to do this. I'm going to make you a great nation and blah, blah, blah. But Israel... You look at Israel as a person. So Israel is like a miracle child. They came from a miracle beginning. Abraham and Sarah was old, beyond the place of having children, and so God had to quicken their bodies, and they had this miracle child, Isaac. Isaac was born, and then Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob had his name changed to Israel, and uh, 12 tribes, but God always looked at them as a, a person, the nation as a person. So God made promises. If you will serve me, I will bless you. I will protect you from all of your enemies. I will put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. He said, but if you rebel against me, I'm going to beat the tar out of you. And so he'll raise up other nations and use them as a rod to whoop his own children. And so that's what happens. So they would cry out to the Lord for deliverance, and so God would send them a man, and he sent them another man, and he sent them another man, but this time he sent a woman. 
Now, to be delivered by a woman was a little on the, um, not just to be humble, but to be humiliated. And it kind of says that in the scripture, I believe. Look at verse 4. And Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidoth, she judged Israel at that time. A woman of a fiery spirit. So here's a woman that God is going to use. They need somebody who can bring about. Now, what she would do is she would be a judge in between these two cities, and she would sit under this palm tree, and the lines would line up, and people would come to her with their problems, and she would solve their problems and answer. So she had to be a pretty good, godly individual. But this woman's she was a woman. I mean, she was had to be something else. She was like a commander of, of an army. This woman like was a warrior. This woman was ready to step out in faith and She'll, you know, charge hell with a squirt gun. Now, not all women are like this, but this woman was different. But she believed in the Lord. And she did not like her people who she listened to that was so depressed because of Sisera and his army, because of what you call their Jabin, who was the king of Canaan. Remember that they were taken into the land of Canaan to conquer Canaan and to take the land, but they left some Canaanites there, and now they're suffering the consequences. Anytime you tolerate sin in your life, sin will grow and become a big problem to you sooner or later. That's why you don't tolerate little things in your life, because sooner or later those little things are going to come and get you. So he told them, so this is what I want you to do. I'll, in other words, Deborah, I want you to get Barak which was a, um, a man that was uh, of the tribe of Naphtali, and saying to him in verse 6, Hath not the Lord God of Israel commanded, saying, Go and draw toward Mount Tabor, and take with thee 10,000 men of the children of Naphtali and of the children of Zebulun. And this is what I want you to do. So she knew that God was going to be able to use her to get this accomplish to deliver them from the iron heel here. So she got Barak and said, now this is what you're supposed to do. Get 10,000. Now, they already got about 100, I mean 900 chariots of iron. Some estimate they could have had up to 100,000 people. Now, you're talking about a great big army. And now, Barak, I want you to get 10,000. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Sometimes in life, you'll feel a little bit on the outnumbered side. But remember, you and the Lord make a majority. You and the Lord, I told kids in college the other day, I said, you know, between me and God, we know everything there is in the world. you believe that? Between me and God. Between me and God, we can do anything. There isn't anything we can do between me and God. In other words, always believe that you and God, you're a majority. And whenever you're right and you stand with the Lord, you don't have to be afraid. Just trust the Lord. So now, 10,000 against, whew, how many? And he says, now I want you to go up here to Mount Tabor. And so on the side of that mountain, you'll have a good view of what's going on down here in the valley. And this is in the valley of like Jezreel. There's a place called Megiddo there. And there's also Kadesh. Now, Kadesh, there's a Kadesh up by Zebulon, but there's also one that whenever they came out of Egypt, uh, they came to Kadesh Barnea. That's a different one. That's in the southern part. And uh, it was about 11 days journey from where they had to go. But now God's going to use this woman. But um, 
But Rex says, I, I'm, I'm not going to do this. He says, I'm not going. I'm not going unless you go with me. So here's a man says, I'm not going to do 10,000, but I need one woman. How does that make you feel? Ah, a man that's got 10,000, he's afraid, but if this one woman goes with him, why? Because she's a godly woman. He knew God is going to bless this woman. I'm not afraid as long as I'm with this woman. Boy, I tell you, aren't you glad God put that in the Bible? I think it's a wonderful story. Some people would consider Deborah as the mother of Israel because of what she was like, and they sung a song about it because in the next chapter it says the song of Deborah. And it's a song that tells more in detail than what you'll read in chapter 4. But look what he says in verse 7. And she says, And I will draw unto thee to the river Kishon, Sisera, the captain of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude. And I will deliver him into thy hand. So you do this, and I'll do this, and I'll draw them out. I'll draw them out. Now, it didn't say exactly how she's going to do this. But whenever the word got out to Sisera, uh, the captain of their army of the Canaanites, well, you're coming against me with 10,000, and I've got 900 chariots of iron. This is going to be a cakewalk. I mean, this is in the bag. Now, there's enemies that are against us. But it's not the size of your enemy or your problem that is your problem. Our problem is the size of our God or the size of our faith. See, if we put even a little faith in a big God, that's better than anything the enemy can ever throw at us. Remember, your God is God. Now, notice what it says here in verse and Barak said unto her, If thou wilt go with me, then I will go. But if thou wilt not go with me, I will not go. Now, there's a man's man, don't you think? You see how valuable sometimes is? There have been decisions that I've made over the years, and it's been a lot easier whenever I know Betty's right there with me. And I'll make decisions, and sometimes you say, Yeah, yeah, yeah. She makes me think a little bit. But I trust her judgment. Why shouldn't I trust her judgment? Look who she married. So, he says here in verse 9, And she said, I will surely go with thee, notwithstanding the journey that thou takest shall not be, and you ought to underline this in your Bible, it shall not be for thine honor. It's not going to put a feather in your cap. It's not going to be because of you. It's not for your own glory. So, there you have it. See the rest of it? For the Lord shall sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. So anyway, they got that all ironed out. Now they're on their way. In verse 10, Barak called Zebulon and Nephtali to Kadesh. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. So anyway, they're going to the place to meet the Canaanites. And they're going to go up on the Mount Tabor and be able to have a pretty good view. Now, there was a river that went through there, and the, um, the river Kishon. See that in verse 13? And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him. And they said they gathered at the river 
of Kishon. And so they're coming there. Now, the reason this is important is because what is going to take place? And Deborah said unto Barak in verse 14, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hands. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. And the Lord discomforted, and that word just simply means he was a rout, a defeat, an overthrow, and all of his chariots and all of his hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. He was going to run for his life. Now remember, why are they having to do that? Well, this is the reason. Right at the right moment, the Bible says that they actually, the heavens fought for Israel. God used circumstances that you can't always figure out. Just a coincidence. I, I told the kids in college class, I says, now, when we're studying the book of Revelation, I says, you'll see that John is in heaven and there's all these angels and he's able to see what God says, what the Son says, what the angels are supposed to do, and in almost every chapter there's angels. But here on the earth, we don't see anything. We don't see no angels. So there's something else going on behind the scenes that to the people upon the earth, just another coincidence. Just another incident that, you know, unexplainable. Boy, that was lucky, wasn't it? And we have no idea. Maybe it wasn't luck at all. Maybe there was a God in heaven that was watching over things. And so, here there are, 10,000 coming down from Mount Tabor, and here's 900 chariots of iron down here in this valley. And they got his armies, his multitude, the Bible says. So they, they know, they, 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 they got to win, but they don't win. They were totally wiped out. They killed them all. 10,000 against them, killed them all. They didn't have any iron chariots. They were like slaves. They didn't have anything hardly. But the Bible says they had archery. They could shoot some bows and arrows because they confiscate all their, their weapons. So how in the world can you win? Well, you ought to see how God can work behind the scenes. And if you will, you'll look there in Judges chapter 5. Look in chapter 5 where he makes a statement here. In verse 19, The kings came and fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan in Tanakh of the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. See, what, what, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing. Here's, here's the heavens up there. And God says, all of a sudden, you know, there's this thundering lightning, and rain. And the rain poured and poured and poured, and the waters came down the mountain like it was melted. Look there in verse 4, chapter 5. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled, the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water, the mountains melted, from before the Lord, that means that all this rain, it just flooded the valley. Now, what kind of um, chariots did they have? 
iron chariots in a valley, and it, all of a sudden it rained and rained and poured, and the water came down the mountain. Now, how far do you think the chariots were able to go now? They're stuck in the mud. Stuck in the mud. You know, one time I was, um, I was stuck in the mud. My sister Lizzie, she could swim. I could swim a little bit. I, I did more beating the water, you know, but she was just glad. You know, you've seen some people just, just glad. She was like a fish, just glad. Me, it was more like a barge, you know. And we were at this river, and there were some kids there. And I'm two or three years younger than my oldest sister, Liz. And so um, she would climb up on this limb on this tree, and everybody stand on the side of the bank, and they would, they just loved to watch her dive and swim. And Liz would dive, and everybody go, ooh, oh. Well, I'm standing there. I had about enough of this ooh and ah. I can do that. I can do that. Well, I had never done that, but I can do that. Because I learned fast. And I watched my sister. She put her hands like this, and she went into the water. Pop up and swim. So I climbed that limb. I said, I'm going to do it. I can do it. So everybody just stopped what they're doing, and everybody watched me. I am now in the limelight. Cameras are rolling. Well, they didn't have cameras. So I dove. I didn't forget. I dove and through the air had no problem. No problem. Everything went real fine. I hit into the water. No problem. I went down through the water. I did not know because it was a, like a muddy river. I never knew that my sister, you know, and you could come right up if you do it right. But I didn't know that. So I went straight to the bottom of the river. And my hands hit the bottom of the river and folded up. And my head stuck in the mud. Now, have you ever had your foot stick in the mud? And you try to get it go The suction. And you can't have it get. Try it with your head. In the bottom of a river. Now, I hadn't planned on staying there long, so I didn't take a lot of air with me. So now I'm under the water, but nobody can see me because it's somebody river. So anyway, I'm trying to push myself out, and my, I had sharp pains all down my head, all down my back and into my shoulders and all. Excruciating pain. And so I'm trying to get my head unstuck, and I'm pushing, but my hand's just going down in the mud. And my head, I'm buried in mud. And I couldn't get my head unstuck. So I finally got my feet down. And so with my feet, and I pushed myself up. And I just remember I, I plopped up through that. And I was going up through the water. And I was, I guess I was passing out. I was just in la-la land. And I don't remember anything else. And all of a sudden, my sister got a hold of me and pulled me to the bank. And I didn't die. But I'd been stuck in the mud. I know that sometimes you can't hardly walk. If you get stuck in some mud and you got some boots on or something like that, and you walk in that stuff, it's like suction. Here is how God is able. Now, the Israelites couldn't plan on when this would happen. Or the place God told them, said, you get here on this mountain so they'd be up higher, see. And the water didn't bother them. And now all they got to do is just shoot 
into this goldfish bowl. And they defeated and killed all their enemies. But there was one man that got away. Out of all of those people, one man got away. Who do you think it was? It was the captain. It was the head man. So Sirah, he got away. And so what happened to him? Look there in chapter 4 of Judges. And it says, excuse me, in verse 15, the last part of it, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak pursued after the chariots and after the host and blah, 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 and there was not one man left. How bit, verse 17, how bit, Sisera fled away on his feet to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, and there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazar, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle. So isn't this wonderful that this here woman let him come into the, her tent? And he says, I'm, I'm thirsty, I need something to drink. So she gave him some milk. Oh, wasn't that wonderful? So kind of her to give him something to drink because this king was running for his life. He's trying to get away, trying to get out of there. And so it says there in verse uh, 19, And he said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. She opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Again he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say, No. Ah. Uh-huh. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail of the tent, and took a hammer in her hand, and went softly unto him, and smote the nail into his temples, and fastened it unto the ground. For he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Well, if somebody nailed your temple to the ground, you'd probably die too. So God delivered this commander of their army into the hands of a woman. And this is what Deborah had said before. This is not for your honor. God is going to deliver him into the hands of a woman. So did God already know what was going to be the outcome of this whole thing? And where he was going to go? And what she was going to do? And God used two women, two women, to deliver Israel from bondage. And they had peace for 40 years. 40 years they had peace. You see there in verse um, 31 of chapter 5, So let all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might, and the land had rest 40 years. They had had 20 years of servitude. Now 40 years of peace, of rest, because of two women. And God used both of those women in a mighty way. So I'm always believing, if it wasn't for the women in a ministry, sometimes you'd never get anything done. You realize how, even around here, how the women work and help and so forth? We are so blessed that we have so many women to help in our church, and I'm thankful to the Lord for it. So praise the Lord, and um, look what it says down here. I just want you to see this before we go any further. Look in verse 21 of chapter 4. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a nail, and this is what she did. Verse 22, And behold, as Barak pursues the serum, Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, 
Come, I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. When he came into her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temple. So God subdued on that day Jabin the king of Canaan before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed. So God had a great victory. Praise the Lord for two women. And then there's the song of Deborah. They wrote a nice, big, beautiful song. And even as you read that song, it'll tell you a little bit more about some of the things that went on that's uh, not in the details of chapter 4. Let's pray, shall we? Father, once again, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to study your word. And Lord, we pray that we could have a lot more Debras, people that know you and love you and want to do what's right. We pray that men would step up and take responsibility for the country and for the church and for their homes, to be godly men. But thank you, Lord, for all those that make it work. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.